So good morning. For those of you, there's a few faces I don't recognize. So my name is Brian. You're very welcome to the Hope Center. Um, I hope you're enjoying it so far, and it's been a good morning for you. I'm, I'm going to um, talk for probably the next four and a half hours. Um, there will be a lunch break in the middle. Yeah, not I won't. I'm only joking about the lunch break. Um, so, but, but I am going to talk probably for the next... I'm hoping to, to get it in in about 15 minutes, because I want to leave a bit of space at the end for possibly a bit of questions and answers. Okay? Um, we don't normally do that on a Sunday, and I have absolutely no idea if you'd have a question, or if you had, what it would be, and I also have no idea if I'd know the answer. But we'll give it a whirl and see what happens. If I don't know the answer, what I will say is I don't know, but I'll find out and come back to you. Is that fair enough? Yeah, so I'm not going to give you the, some cliche rubbish. I'll just tell you I don't know, and we'll figure it out. Um, but I do want to mention one thing before we go any further. This time next week I won't be here because there is a group of us heading to Belarus. And I just want to ask the guys that are coming to Belarus would just stand up for two seconds. Um, come on, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. And that includes Ushin down the back. You need to look at Ushin down the back. He is only 13? 14, sorry. And he's coming with us. And we're going over for a week. We're going to walk in an orphanage. You can sit down again, sorry. Um, we're going to walk in an orphanage. We're going to walk in an old folks' home. Um, there's 41 of us flying out next Saturday for a week. Um, so I would really ask you, if you think of us, would you keep us in your prayers? Um, would you remember us during the week? It's an amazing experience going, but it's hard work. It's heavy going. And um, these guys give of their time, their effort, and they either pay personally or raise a thousand euro each to do it as well. So it, it's no joke, but it makes an amazing difference. So um, next Saturday we fly out and we'll be back the following Saturday. So you'll have Rob Carley here next week preaching. So that'll be a good thing too. Don't, don't miss that. Um, so I'm hoping to have that chance to, to, to do that questions and answers. So I better stop waffling and start talking. Um, I'm going to talk about something that, that can be a tricky subject in some ways because I think... And the reason I think it's tricky is because it's simple. And I think most of us are looking for a relationship with God to be complicated. And most of us are looking for it to have to jump through 27 million hoops and do all kinds of stuff so that God will accept us and that we can have something going on and then hope to God at the end of it all, we scrape into heaven. Maybe we're a smell of smoke off us, but at least we're in. Yeah. So, and the thing is that it is simple. It was never meant to be complicated. Jesus came so that it would be simple. It was just a matter of he came so that we could go. That's it. End of. We accept that he came to get us. We can go with him. It's that simple. Lots of us are looking for the catch. Lots of us are looking for... Can't be that simple. Just can't be that simple. Because the world we live in isn't simple. It's, it's complicated. The relationships we have are complicated. But God doesn't want us to have a complicated relationship. He wants us to have a simple one. He wants us to have one where it's like, I love you. What more do you need to know? I accept you exactly as you are. I pay the price for you exactly as you are. And you know what? I have a destiny for you. I have something for you to do. I created you on purpose, with purpose, and for purpose. I didn't create you just to waffle around here and feel like your life was a waste. I created you on purpose. And I put purpose in your bones. And I did it because I have a purpose for you to fulfill. And I think for all of us, there is something that can rob us of that purpose. Or another word for that purpose is destiny. I think we can be robbed of it so easily. There is a scripture in Proverbs 23, 7. It should be on the screen. 
that says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I don't like King James language. I don't like that Shakespeare stuff. I was trying to think. I was trying to figure it out. I was thinking, I think it that we should be thinking about thoughts. Right? Sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Right? So I'm thinking we should be talking about our thought life today. We should be talking about what's going on in here. And you know what? Whatever is going on in here is going to create a reality out there. Whatever way I see myself in here is going to create how I interact with everybody outside. It's going to create the steps that I'm going to take to move forward or to stop or even to move back. The scripture also says that the power of life and death are in our tongues. And we all know that in relationships with other people, we can kill a relationship in 10 seconds by saying the wrong thing. We can build a relationship by saying the right thing. But here's the thing, our tongue is controlled by our thoughts. So in essence, the power of life and death is actually in our thoughts. And the power of life and death over our own destiny is in our thoughts. It's what we think of ourselves. See, I was thinking, depending on what I think about myself, and if this is my destiny to be, to be living up here, all right? God, you look different from up here. Okay, to be living up here. Imagine if this was the destiny that I had in life. And God wanted me operating, doing whatever it may be at this level. But because I'm thinking I'm whatever, I'm stupid, I'm angry, I'm whatever, that in essence, I'm living out here somewhere in in a cupboard. It's not a very big cupboard either. It has tables and chairs. Oh, it has guitar cases as well. But it's a cupboard. How many of us are living in cupboards? Because of what's in there. Like thoughts become actions. When I think I should be going out that door, I walk out that door and, I, and it's an action. And I end up out there. If someone says something, I get narky, I walk out. It becomes an action. Do you know what happens with actions? They become habits. Habits create the character that we've got. And our characters dictate our destiny. The steps along the way. In 2 Corinthians 10, it tells us to take captive every thought. That's weird language. Take captive every thought. Ever feel like your head is racing? There's like 20 zillion things going around and that at the same time. We do, we, we, myself and Rob do these wellness workshops and we tell people that the psychologists say you have 65,000 thoughts in your head every day. I don't know who was mad enough to think they could count them. But even if we only have half of that, that's a lot of work going on in your head, isn't it? And most of them are the same ones over and over and over again. It's like, have to get up, have to have a shower. You know, how do you wash yourself? You do them automatically, don't you? You don't get up and go, now how do I have a shower? I think I have to take my clothes off first. I think I should get in and turn the water on. Should I check what temperature it is? Do I need to have soap? We, we don't consciously do that, but we're doing it. Them thoughts are flying around in your head all the time. And them thoughts became actions and them actions became habit. And those habits created a character. And then that character dictated your destiny. So now you're a clean person who people don't mind sitting with. 
I know some people who that's not part of their character. And it has created a destiny where other people don't want to be around them because they're smelly. Does that make sense? Everything we do is coming from a thought. And everything we do impacts where we're going. So I was wondering what kind of thoughts do you have about yourself? I figure I've had every one of these. I can't figure this out. I'm too tired. It's impossible for me to change. Nobody loves me. That's the pity party one. I can't forgive myself. It's not worth it. I'm not smart enough. I'm not able. I can't go on. I can't manage. I'm afraid. Or I feel all alone. Where will those thoughts bring you? It's going to bring you out there. It's going to bring you into a cupboard. What actions, what habits, what character, and what destiny is thinking like that going to bring us? And you see, it's easy for me to say, you need to change the way you're thinking. It's very easy to say. It's not so easy to do. It's possible, but it's not easy. And actually, it's, it's fairly simple. It's about replacing what's in there. Your brain won't walk in a vacuum. Your brain won't walk. You, you go to um, many churches, and, 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 we've, and I've taught on this over the years. We talk about something called spiritual warfare, which is... When I heard about it first, I used to think there was like, um, it was like one of them movies where there was angels and demons killing each other. You know, Shadow Hunters is on Netflix at the minute. It was a bit like that. There was something weird going on. But I honestly believe all the spiritual warfare that ever happened in my life happened between my two ears. That was where the battleground was. If I could win the fight in my head, I could win any fight outside. If I could figure out what was happening in my own head, then that made sorting out the other stuff. Everything didn't go right and perfect and lovely. It doesn't go like that. But it made it possible. And what I learned was that I can change the thoughts one of them at a time. can't change all of them in one go. You know, when we took over this place, um, everywhere needed to be painted. Half it still does, but everywhere needed to be painted. But we had to pick somewhere and start. So we were on a deadline and we picked in here. And we picked the little room at the back where the coffee bar is. And we changed it a little bit at a time. And we've just got a few rooms. Anne's nephew, praise God, from came up and painted a few rooms in the house. Um, and we did them. He did them one room at a time. He didn't do the whole house in one go. So, so when I'm talking about this stuff, we're not talking about trying to change everything in one go. Paul said that we should take every thought captive. And make it subject to Christ. Alright? So, here's the thing. Every thought added together will create our life. But we don't have to take them all on in one go. You don't have to take all 65,000 on in one go. And if you're a fellow, I think we probably have 10,000 and the girls have the rest. But, if you can take them on one of the shot. You can do it. And the way our brains are, are, are wired, we can actually only focus on one single thought at a time. 
It's the way we're hardwired. We have loads of stuff floating around in our heads and some people have more stuff than others and some people have these nice little blank spaces that they move into and they just sit there goofing off and I do it regularly and it's a lovely space to go into. But a lot of times there's a bunch of stuff happening in your head but in essence you can only focus and concentrate on one and that's the one you need to fight off. That's the one that when you go to do something that says, you can't do that, that you need to go, yeah I can. That's the one that says, such and such happened. They do that, they did this, she did that, he did that, blah, blah, blah. We take them one at a time. And the way we do it is by replacing them. So when we have to talk about ourselves, saying one thing, we listen to what God says about us. And we have the argument inside ourselves about that. See, what I believe if we go down the road of thinking all those negative stuff, that what will happen is, besides going into a cupboard, they will separate us from God's plan for our life. And I firmly believe, and it says it in that little video we showed at the beginning, in Jeremiah, God says that, I know the plans I have for you. The plans to prosper you. Plans to do you good. They're not plans to mess you about. They're not plans to hurt you. They're not plans to, to drive you nuts. The plan's to bless you. I just want to say something. Sometimes God's blessings involve a smack across the back of the head. Not very churchy language. But sometimes he needs to give us a kick and say, snap over and get on with it. That doesn't mean he's not blessing us. It's not all fuzzy-wuzzy, let's all go dancing around the roses together. It's about figuring a way through life. But if we follow all that negative stuff, it will drag us away from where he wants to bring us. It will separate us from his plan, it will separate us from his people, and it will separate us from his destiny for us. And what I had to learn over the years is to say, when that talk comes into my head, does that agree with what Christ says about me? Does that agree with what Jesus says he thinks about me? And does it agree with what Jesus says he thinks about you? There's a video, let's just watch for a second. According to the Bible, I am God's possession. I am his child, his workmanship. I want you to apply this to yourself. You are his friend, his temple, his vessel, a co-laborer and his witness. You're a soldier, an ambassador, a building, a temple. You're his husbandry. You're a minister and an instrument. You're his chosen, his beloved, his precious jewel and his heritage. In Christ, you've been redeemed by blood, set free from sin, set free from Satan, set free from the kingdom of darkness, chosen before the foundation of the world, predestined to be like Jesus, forgiven of all your trespasses, washed in blood, given a sound mind, given the Holy Spirit, adopted into God's family, justified freely by his grace, given all things pertaining to life, given great and precious promises, given ministry of reconciliation, given authority over the enemy, given 
given access to God and given wisdom for free. In Christ, you are complete, totally in Him, free forever from sin's power. You're sanctified. You're fit for the Master's use. You're loved eternally. You're eternally kept in the palm of His hand. You're kept from falling. You're kept by His very power, and you're not condemned. You're one with the Lord. You're on your way to heaven, quickened by His mighty power, seated in heavenly places. You're the head and not the tail. You're the light in darkness. You're a candle in a dark place. You're a city set on a hill. You're the salt of the earth. You are His sheep. You're a citizen of heaven. You're hidden with Christ in God and protected from the evil one. You're kept by the power of God. You're secure in Christ. You're set on a rock. You're more than a conqueror. You're born again. You're a victor. You're healed by His stripes, covered by His blood, sheltered by His wing, and hidden in His secret place. In Him you have access to the Father, a home in heaven waiting for you, all things in Christ, a living hope, an anchor to your soul, a hope sure and steadfast, authority to tread on serpents, power to witness, the tongue of the learned, the mind of Christ, boldness and access, peace with God, and faith like the grain of a mustard seed. And in Christ you can do all things, find mercy, come boldly to his throne, quench the fiery darts of the enemy, tread on him like a serpent, declare liberty to the captives, pray always, chase a thousand, defeat and overcome the enemy, and tread Satan underfoot. And the only things you cannot do in Christ is be separated from God, perish or be lost, be moved, be taken out of your Father's hand, be charged or accused, or be condemned. thing is, all that stuff is true, but do we believe it? Do we live it, or do we believe the rubbish? I was thinking, what if they were the dominant thoughts that preoccupied our heads most of the day? And besides the realistic stuff that we have to do, besides the stuff that we have to go to work, we have to mind the kids, we have to make a dinner, we have to do shopping, whatever it may be. But that other space in our head where all that other stuff goes around, where we have the conversations in our own head about ourselves and about other people, what if those were the dominant thoughts in that space? rather than the things that hijack us. What actions or habits or character or destiny would they bring us to? I firmly believe it would be up the steps. It would be into that place where God wants us to be. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24 says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That didn't fit in with what I was thinking about talking today. But where it came to me was, I wonder how offensive it is to God when we believe the rubbish instead of what he says about us. Do you ever, if you're a parent, do you ever tell your child you love them and they go, no, you don't, you hate me. Teenagers especially will understand anyone who's had teenagers, right? And how, as a parent, you're there going, but I do love you, you just don't understand that I love you. But I do. But it hurts when they think you hate. I wondered. I, just, I have no answer for this. I just wonder what it's like for God. Earlier I often said we think things like, I can't figure it out. I'm too tired. It's impossible. No one loves me. 
I can't forgive myself, it's not worth it, I'm not smart enough, I'm not able, I can't go on, I can't do it, I can't manage, I'm afraid. I feel all alone. Here's just some of the things God says to some of that. We say I can't figure out, he said I'll direct your steps in Proverbs. We say I'm too tired, he says I'll give you a rest in Matthew. I say it's impossible, he says all things are possible in Luke. I say no one loves me. He says in John 3.16, I love you. I say I can't forgive myself. He says I forgive you. Romans. I say it's not worth it. And he says it will be worth it. Romans as well. I say I'm not smart enough. He says you're right. No, I'm only joking. He says I'll give you wisdom. 1 Corinthians. I say I'm not able. And he says I am able. 2 Corinthians. I say, I can't go on. And he says, my grace is sufficient. I say, I can't do it. He says, you can do all things. All things. I say, I can't manage. And he says, I'll supply all your needs. Philippians. I say, I'm afraid. And he says, in 2 Timothy, I didn't give you fear. That's not from me. And I say, I feel all alone. And he says, I will never leave you. Never in Hebrews. In Romans twelve two it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I wonder, would you like a reset button for your head? Because God, I know some days I'd love one. Like, just like you can reset your phone or reset your computer. To be able to start over. Well, scripture promises that his mercies are new every morning. So no matter how messed up we get today, tomorrow we can have a fresh start. Actually, we can have a fresh start about 20 times today if we want to. But most of us will think today is messed up, I'll wait till tomorrow. But we can have a fresh start every single morning. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So the question to leave with, I believe... It's what do I think about me? And does it line up with what God says he thinks about me? And is what I'm thinking about me leading into a place where my actions are building habits that are creating a character that is going to dictate a destiny that is one of adventure and joy and the crack and And trouble, yes, but a way of overcoming that trouble. A way of living and not just surviving. Or is what I'm believing about myself the same as what the world out there is believing? And everyone is telling me that you're here to survive. You need to be afraid of everyone and everything. And that you're just lucky to be breathing, never mind. And yes, we need to be thankful, but we should be wanting more. Because God has more for us. God has given us more. He didn't give us fear. The telly will give us fear. The news will give us fear. The papers will have you running around. You won't even go out at night time. You'd be so scared. God didn't want that for us. He has adventure for us. He has life. Not survival. So let me pray for a minute. And then we only have about three minutes. But if there's any questions and answers... Um, we'll, we'll see if we can make it work. Um, 
Father, I just want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for your joy. I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for your love for each and every person in this room. I want to thank you that you know their names, that you know their lawyers, you know everything about them. And Lord, in lots of cases, including mine, despite what you know about us, you love us. And you care for us and you like us. And you want the best for us. So today, Lord, I pray as we leave this place, every single person in it, that you will continue to speak in our heads. That we will remember what you said about us. We will remember what you are continually saying to us. That you believe we are precious to you. That you love us. That nothing can separate us from your love. That nothing can snatch us out of your hands. That nothing can take away the blessings you have for us. Only us. We are the only ones who can do that. So Lord, I pray you open our minds, open our hearts, open our eyes and our ears to just see and experience the joy and the love that you have for each and every one of us. And I ask it in your name. Amen. Amen. Now, I just wonder why I never feel a connection with Christ. Okay. Yeah. Now, I'd love to have a lovely answer for that one. But I don't. Um, what I do know is that a lot of times, a lot of times, not times, a lot of times, it's what we are thinking and believing is the reality of, it becomes our reality. So if, if I believe I, I, I can't experience a connection with Christ, if I'm, if I'm thinking that's okay for everyone else, but it's not for me, then the reality of it is I'm probably, I could be stopping myself. I'm not saying you are doing this. I'm just saying I could be stopping. There's a, there's a, there's a thing in, um, can you just turn that down a little bit? There's a thing in, um, in, in secular psychology that talks about how unless our eyes are open to opportunities, we don't see them. And we can walk by them without ever seeing them. And someone else will see something and you go, God, I never saw that. I never thought of doing that or whatever. Or we see an opportunity and we think it's not for us and we just keep walking. And, and I think over the years I've met people who will go. So I remember walking with, um, I worked in St. Clair's and Harold's Cross for a long time. And I met this nun who had been a missionary in Sierra Leone for over 25 years. Had been sold out for God, 100%. Given everything, a whole life to save. Okay. And I sat and I was talking to her one day. And uh, I, I, it was a kind of a counseling thing. But, but I, I was trying to explain to her that I wasn't Catholic. Just so that she didn't think I was trying to, because I was in the Catholic school now, and I wanted her to understand I was coming from a slightly different place. And, and trying to get the conversation going about where I was coming from. And eventually I, kind of, I, I used the word charismatic, because it was a word she understood. And she went, God, you have a direct connection for God. And I said, yeah, but you, you can have that too. I said, it's not like I'm not special. I'm special because of what Jesus did in my life, but I'm not special in myself. And she went, no, that's not for the likes of me. And I have to say, I could almost feel God's heartbreaking. Because it was for her. But because she was sitting there in a place where she thought, I can't have that. She couldn't. Does that make sense? Yes, yeah. And I, and I think somewhere in that, we go, we, we, Shane was talking earlier about the worship being a place of, um, worship being a place of, of thankfulness, but it's also a place of connection. 
Sometimes music hits our soul in a way words never can. Um, and we use that as a way of kind of clearing out the stuff in our own lives to just try and connect with God. And there are many ways to connect with God. There are people who really connect with God through art, through nature, through work, through people, through a hug. Um, and I wonder, and you're going to answer this because this is something to take away in your own head. How do you connect with people? Because whatever way you connect with people is probably the way you will connect with God. Does that make sense? Where sometimes we can be expecting some weird thing to happen. Like, you know, it's going to rain on my chair with just when everyone else is going to be dry. When, when actually it may be all around us and we just don't see it. Does that make sense? Don't over answer your question, but hopefully it's moving in the direction.